You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Week 13 edition of Falado on Football, and you can hear a little pep in my voice. I am this host, Nicholas Falado, here on the Big Blue View Radio Network, coming off of this astounding, unlikely, improbable New York Giants victory against the now 8-4 Seattle Seahawks. That is right, the New York Giants with a backup quarterback, Colt McCoy, Danny Dimes on the bench with a hamstring, go up to the Pacific Northwest to take on the Seattle Seahawks, this high-powered Seahawks offense, this Seahawks defense that's budding with Jamal Adams, Carlos Dunlap, and company. And they defeat the Seattle Seahawks. They punch them in the mouth, and they play sound defense to bring their record to 5-7 and seven with a firm grasp of first place in the NFC East, albeit the Washington football team plays tomorrow, Monday. So when you're listening to this today against the Pittsburgh Steelers, how is everyone doing? I know there's a lot of Giants fans that listen to this podcast because this is the Giants network. This is Big Blue View. But the New York Giants pulled off the victory that nobody expected. I didn't expect. I went on SB Nation's podcast for the Seattle Seahawks, Field Goals, Nice little play on words there. And I said the Giants were going to lose this game. And I look like an idiot. I look like a moron. And I welcome it. I welcome it because the New York Giants, the team that everybody in the NFL was saying, look at this 4-7 and seven team that's so happy about being 4-7 and seven and in the lead in this crap division. <laughs> Joe Judge, yeah, okay, that act is going to get old. Well, it hasn't. This team is playing like a team, something that we haven't seen as Giant fans. This team, these players, are stepping up. Leonard Williams is one of the best interior pass rushers at the defensive line. And he came up huge in this game against the Seattle Seahawks. Gigantic. Getting in Russell Wilson's face, forcing sacks, and playing for a huge contract. Something that he is going to deserve and something that he's going to get. Hopefully from the New York Giants. Because he is a vital piece to what Patrick Graham wants to do. He hit the quarterback five times in this game. Two and a half tackles for a loss. Two sacks. Came up in big spots. Towards the end of the game, Blake Martinez left with what seemed to be a lower back injury. After having ten tackles. And it looked like, with the Seattle Seahawks possessing the ball with a full field and time on the clock, this was going to be... Something that we saw a lot in the beginning of the year, where the opposing quarterback leads his offense down the field to score a touchdown to go ahead, with a score 17-12 to 12 at the commencement of that drive. But that's not what happened. The Giants held on. They hit Russell Wilson, got in his face, put pressure on him. And with about 940 left in the game, Russell Wilson started an 11-play, 82-yard drive that ended in a touchdown after a third and 15 
pretty ticky-tacky, but I can see why it was called. Darnay Holmes' defensive holding penalty extended their drive, and that's where I thought it was the start of the downfall, because we saw this earlier in the year, my friends. Defensive penalties, defensive mistakes against the Philadelphia Eagles, against the Dallas Cowboys. You can even add the Tampa Bay Buccaneers into there. But this game, after the Giants picked up a couple first downs on the ensuing drive, they had to punt the ball. Seattle gets it with just under two minutes left. Seattle seems like it's probably very likely they're going to drive down and score with the weapons that they have, with the momentum that they had, and with the future Hall of Famer leading the offense. But the New York Giants come up. They sack Russell Wilson on third and 10. Thank you, Leonard Williams. Force that fourth and 18 where Russell Wilson runs for his life, drops back about 15 yards past the line of scrimmage, and lobs a teardrop pass up very high when James Bradbury gets his hand on it and knocks it down. End of game. Tyler Lockett dies for it. Can't quite get there. Giants kneel on it. Giants pull off the upset of the year, arguably. This 4-7 team is now 5-7. Goes up to Seattle with a backup quarterback and beats the Seattle Seahawks. Was there a 12th man there? No. COVID. Everyone's dealing with that. No excuse. Seattle is vying for the NFC West right now with the Los Angeles Rams, the San Francisco 49ers, and the Arizona Cardinals, the Giants' next week opponent. And the Giants pull it off, help out that rest of the NFC West, and win this game to try and secure their own pathetic division. But I don't care, because this team isn't pathetic. This New York Giants team is not. You look at the Dallas Cowboys, kind of pathetic. You look at the Philadelphia Eagles, yeah, pretty pathetic. You go to Washington, not really. They're on the third-string quarterback, but he's Alex Smith. Their defense is pretty damn stout. Very good pass rush. Not a pathetic team whatsoever, the football team. But the Giants certainly are not. They are playing for this coaching staff. They are rallying to the football on defense. They are physical at the point of attack on offense. They established a line of scrimmage. Wayne Gallman was able to run all over Seattle's defense. Wayne Gallman had 16 carries for 135 yards. And Alfred Morris, 8 for 39, and a touchdown on the ground, and a touchdown through the air. Colt McCoy hit him in the flat. Looked like he bobbled the ball, almost dropped it, but didn't. And Colt McCoy, say what you want, he's Colt McCoy. He threw for 105 yards, that touchdown Alfred Morris, and a pick that bounced off of Evan Ingram's hands, but it was a pretty bad throw. Ball placement was not there. But he was able to manage the game enough, made enough throws in key spots to allow the Giants to walk out of Seattle with this victory. That's what you need from your backup quarterback right there. And I get it. Cole McCoy is not the sexiest backup quarterback in the world. Not by any stretch. But guess what? He got the job done against a really good football team. Everybody who was knocking the Giants before, to some extent you could say, rightfully so, they say, oh, the Giants have beat a bunch of crappy NFC East teams and the Cincinnati Bengals. Okay. Now, you got to throw the Seattle Seahawks in there. You're just going to make excuses for Seattle? Say, oh, well, Seattle wasn't on their A game. Well, that's on them. Didn't seem like they could figure out Patrick Graham and this Giants defense. DK Metcalf is an absolute stud. We saw that at certain points in this game. DK Metcalf 
had eight targets in this game, and he caught five of them for 80 yards. It's a solid game. It's not the DK Metcalf game that we've seen recently, though. It's not the DK Metcalf game we saw last week against Darius Slay and the Philadelphia Eagles, another very talented cornerback out of Mississippi State. In that game, he had 13 targets, caught 10 of them for 177 yards. The only time DK Metcalf has really been kept in check is from Jalen Ramsey and the two games against the Arizona Cardinals, where Patrick Peterson was shadowing him a lot, but not all the time. Against Tredavious White, he had nine targets, caught seven of them for 108 yards and a touchdown against the Buffalo Bills. But this James Bradbury, my friends, is James Bradbury that the New York Giants signed for a relatively modest deal for what the corner market can be. He's playing out of his mind. And everybody's taking notice. Same with Blake Martinez. Playing very well. Hopefully he's going to be okay. Hopefully. Jabril Peppers. Playing out of his mind. Darnay Holmes. Playing incredibly effective football for a rookie. Then look at the other rookies. Carter Coughlin. Had a quarterback hit in this game. It was kind of all over Russell Wilson. From pressure perspective. Cam Brown getting out there in important passing downs. Also looking relatively effective didn't make a lot of splash type of plays but this is also somebody who is now basically an edge rusher who was a linebacker for four years at Penn State Nico Lelos recovering an important fumble had a few tackles as well Tay Crowder had a sack had seven tackles in this game also had a quarterback hit these are rookies that were drafted in 2020 a year where they had a truncated offseason no rookie OTAs, no rookie minicamp, didn't have any of that. And they're playing significant snaps down the stretch for a team that is leading their division that just beat the Seattle Seahawks. It's a lot of good finds there. It's a lot of guys with good heads on their shoulders. And kudos to Jason Garrett as well for having this somewhat conservative game plan to run the football, gap power, double pullers, counter, Take advantage of Seattle's front four. A pretty talented front four in terms of stopping the run. They haven't been huge liabilities there all season. And you're doing this without the threat of Daniel Jones running the football. Something that Daniel Jones obviously adds to your offense. You came out with Shane Lemieux as your fullback. With Eli Penny as your running back. Twice. Got four yards in each of those carries. Solid chunk yardage plays right there. I'll sign up for that. I'll take that. The receivers didn't have to do all that much. They weren't asked to. Golden Tate had a couple of nice catches on third down. A couple of nice catches in the short to intermediate game. It's kind of what he does. But physicality at the point of attack. Sound defense. Staples of winning football. Old school football. The Giants were able to do that. Before this game, I was like, you know what? I think the Giants would have a real shot if Daniel Jones was the starting quarterback. Well, they had a real shot with Colt McCoy. So I'll take my lumps. Not a lot of people expected the Giants to win, but they did credit to this New York football Giants. I love the fact that they're playing out of their minds right now. That they're playing good football. Is it flashy? Maybe not. But you're winning football games, and now you have a four-game winning streak, something that we have not seen in quite some time. It's New York Giant fans. You gotta love it. You gotta celebrate it. And let's dive in briefly to every other NFL game. And not to switch... The tune of the New York teams, really, right now. But we're going to go to the Jet game, which was not 
something that would give a Jet fan a warm and fuzzy if they wanted the Jets to win. But you can argue, and I can understand it, and I can hear it, that the New York Jets don't really want to win football games at the moment. They are vying for that number one overall pick. They want Adam Gase out of town. Totally understandable. The Las Vegas Raiders on their second straight East Coast trip for a 1 o'clock start go to New York and basically lose this football game. They don't have Josh Jacobs. Yeah, that's true. But the Raiders, a playoff-bound team, potentially should win against a winless New York Jets team. And they almost blew it, but the Jets did the most Jet thing ever. And it's almost like they wanted to lose running that cover zero play. Because that's what it looked like. Didn't seem like there were any safeties on that broadcast. It looked like cover zero, straight man coverage against Henry Ruggs, who caught a 46-yard touchdown pass from Derek Carr to seal this game in the final seconds of this matchup. And the Jets in this game, they were able to force a turnover on downs with about five minutes left in the game. After a 14-play drive, the Raiders get cocky. They try to go for it. Jets stop them. little incomplete pass to Nelson Aguilar. The Jets get the ball, do nothing with it, punt the ball back, have the lead, more than a field goal lead, and the Raiders, with 35 seconds after that punt, with no timeouts left, Hit Darren Waller for 15 yards, spiked the ball. Deep incomplete pass to Nelson Aguilar where he was wide open. If it was put on the spot, would have been a touchdown. Very next play, third and 10. Raiders air it out. Like I said, to Henry Ruggs III, rookie out of Alabama. First rookie uh, receiver drafted in this class. Touchdown. Gets cover zero sickening if you want the Jets to win this game. I have a lot of Jet fan friends. They didn't want to win this game. They didn't. They don't care about the pride. They hate Adam Gase. They want him gone. They want to go winless. They want Trevor Lawrence. It'd be the ultimate slap in the face if Trevor Lawrence goes back to school, which is an option. Sam Darnold, who does not look great in this football game, but Sam Darnold put his team in a position to win. Helped out by the defense, yes. They lose Frank Gore. Like the second snap of the game, Ty Johnson comes in, rushes for 104 yards and a touchdown on 22 carries. Jameson Crowder, five catches for 47 yards and two touchdowns. And Sam made enough plays to win in this game. But the Raiders, man, and when I saw it, I was like, that is so jet-like that they came back and they won this football game somehow. That could only happen to Adam Gase because the Raiders had a pretty solid lead in this game. The Jets mounted 15 points in the fourth quarter. 15 points. Take the lead. Up by four. And the fourth quarter, Carr hits Ruggs for that tutty. Carr finishes the game 28-47 of for 381 yards and three touchdowns, but it was the Aaron Waller show, man. 13 catches, 17 targets for 200 yards, and two touchdowns. Jets had no answer for him. They lost Ashton Davis early in the game too, which did not help, but they had no answer for him when he was there. So unfortunate for the New York Jets, but the Jets remain winless, remain on track for that number one overall pick. And hopefully they can get like a two for Sam Darnold and kind of turn the page and hopefully Frank Reich or whomever can fix Sam Darnold because he needs to be fixed because it's just not there for him. His mechanics are so messed up right now. You kind of feel bad for the guy. 
But that's the nature of going to a team that can't fix you, coaches that can't fix you. And that's exactly where Sam Darnold landed. And then we have the Cincinnati Bengals going down to Miami, Dade County, to play the Dolphins. The Dolphins win this game 19-7. to There was a broken play on defense where Brandon Allen found Tyler Boyd, who ends up getting ejected from this game by when he fought, quote-unquote, fought Xavier Howard. Now, if you watch that game, there was a little tussle. Xavier Howard was more of the aggressor. I don't think Boyd should have been ejected. I don't think Xavier Howard should have been ejected. But the NFL, they handled it with kid gloves, and they didn't want any of the nonsense. It seemed like it was a chippy game, so they got rid of both players after what could be called punches. Looked more like slaps to me, but is what it is. Anyways, he had a 72-yard touchdown catch. It was his only catch of the game on four targets. And Brendan Allen he threw an interception to Xavier Howard on a vertical pass, but the Bengals couldn't really move the football at all. Miami's defense is pretty solid. Tua actually looked pretty solid in this game as well. I mean, 26-39 for 296, one touchdown, one-handed catch to Mike Kosicki, who had 11 targets in this game, nine catches for 88 yards and a touchdown in this specific game. And outside of that, there wasn't that much offense. Didn't really necessarily need to be. I mean, you had Von Bell recovered a fumble. Noah Igbenogany recovered a fumble. Jakeem Grant and Miles Gaskin fumbled twice, recovered their own fumbles. So there was just kind of a sloppy football with a team that doesn't seem as effective with Tua. It seems like they're a much more effective team. Guys like Devontae Parker are maximized when a player like Ryan Fitzpatrick is out there, but Tua is the future. But Miami, you got to think about this year. You're 8-4. You're going to make the playoffs more than likely in the AFC. In Cincinnati, you're lucky. They're not a good football team. Giants played them last week, handled them, even though it was only 19-17. At least I didn't feel like it was a game that the Giants were going to blow at any point. Cincinnati's 2-9-1 now. Miami is 8-4. And, and the Bengals, without Joe Burrow, it's just, hey, let's hope we can develop, not get injured. Hope we see a lot of progression from guys like Jonah Williams and some of their other younger players. But they still need to revamp this offense. Zach Taylor... He seems like he had a good rapport with Joe Burrow, but that offensive line is just too bad at the moment. And Miami got Miles Gaskin back in this game, and you know what? Looked damn good with Miles Gaskin. Miles Gaskin ended up having the 21 carries, got 90 yards on 21 carries. They love to feature one specific dude, and that's what they did, and it worked out for them. So, Bengals going to be picking in the top 10 once again, taking top 5 once again. So, hopefully, they may add. Jamar Chase and pair him back up with Joe Burrow. But I don't think they're going to go that direction because they have T. Higgins, who they drafted the first pick in the second round. But, you know, reuniting college quarterbacks with their stud-wide receivers is always something fun. Anyways, Browns, Titans. Kind of nuts. Baker Mayfield went insane in the first half of this game. Browns won 41-35. to Baker Mayfield finished this game with 334 yards passing and four touchdowns. Most of that, honestly, was in the first half. So was his reception. He had a six-yard catch that was actually really impressive. Jarvis Landry on a little end around through it was kind of like the Philly special kind of type of play. A nice high pass to Baker Mayfield. Baker Mayfield got his foot down three times. Credit to Baker Mayfield. That was actually an athletic play from a quarterback who's not known for his athletic ability, but he was lighting the Titans up. Scored 38 points in the first half. Then afterwards, 
only three points, got really conservative, just ran the football with Nick Chubb, who finished 18 for 80 with a touchdown. Kareem Hunt, 14 for 33, does not look nearly as good as Nick Chubb at the moment. Always getting inside the five carries, not punching them in. Seems like it's like the third or fourth straight week that's happened. It's actually really frustrating. But the touchdowns, man. Big offensive lineman Kendall Lamb had a touchdown. Donovan Peoples-Jones had a 75-yard touchdown catch. Jarvis Landry, touchdown. Rashad Higgins, touchdown. Just touchdowns for everybody. And Baker Mayfield was cooking. A quarterback that just, still his footwork didn't look all that great in this game from the little bit that I did see. But he was just firing on all cylinders. And Tennessee's defense is atrocious. But they were able to score 28 points in the second half and actually make this interesting to the point where there was an onside kick that Cleveland recovered. But it didn't look like this game was going to be interesting at all. 38-7 to at halftime. But Tennessee kind of clamped down. Cleveland got conservative. And Tennessee made it a little game. And Ryan Tannehill finished 389 yards, three touchdowns, and one interception. Could have had four touchdowns. A.J. Brown fumbled at like the two-yard line, and it was picked up by Michael Pruitt, who ran into the end zone, who had a touchdown catch himself. So he ends up getting two touchdowns on this game. Corey Davis, 12 targets, caught 11 of them for 182 yards and a tutty. And then Cameron Baston also had a touchdown. That was the last score in the fourth quarter. So Tennessee, they were 8-3. Cleveland Browns were 8-3. And, and now Browns are 9-3. and three. Tennessee's 8-4. and four. You know what team was very, very happy that that happened? The Indianapolis Colts, who were able to get a W, a victory, against the Houston Texans in Houston. Colts win 26-20, to and they go to 8-4. and This was a high-powered first half, followed by a pretty modest second half. It started out, Texans were 3 and out. Adjusting, no Will Fuller, understood. Then, the Colts drove down the field... And T.Y. Hilton caught a 21-yard touchdown pass from Phillip Rivers. Then it only took four plays for Deshaun Watson to rush for a touchdown. Then it was a Colts punt, Texans field goal, Colts touchdown, which was a five-yard Naheem Hines rush, followed up by a missed field goal from Kaimi Fairbairn, followed up by a touchdown from Phillip Rivers to Jonathan Taylor for 39 yards, followed up by a David Johnson six-yard rush, followed up by a field goal, from the Colts, a field goal from the Texans, and end of half. And then the second half was the exact opposite. It was punts, turnovers on downs, interceptions and fumbles as well, and then a Colts safety. That was the Colts causing the safety from to go 24 to 20 to 26 to 20, and that's how the final score ended up. And the Colts end up getting this victory and kind of battling a jockey in for position with the Tennessee Titans in the AFC South. The Houston Texans stay at 4-8 and eight with still. They had the quarterback position figured out. They had the left tackle position figured out. They just need a coach because Romeo Cornell is their interim head coach right now, the oldest in the NFL, and I'm sure he just probably wants to be a defensive coordinator. Who knows? Maybe he wants to be a head coach, but I don't know if he's going to be the long-term option there. But he's been in the NFL for quite some time. Good old Romeo Cornell. You know who doesn't love him? Seems like everyone does. Anyways, before we get into the rest of the games, let's take a quick break to hear a word from our sponsors. Vacations can be tricky. You already know how to book flights and hotels. But now the only thing you're missing is, you know, the actual travel experience. Because is it really a vacation if you're just sitting around like you would at home? You need a tool to get the most out of your time away. That's where Viator steps in. 
you can book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Let's take a look at this NFC South showdown between the New Orleans Saints and the Atlanta Falcons, where the Saints, on the road, win this football game 21-16 to in what was a relatively dominant performance up until late in the game when Atlanta mounted what looked like it could have been a comeback and made this score somewhat interesting. Taysom Hill in this game, though, 27-37 of for 232 yards and two touchdowns, actually looked pretty good throwing the football, was ripping it to... Jared Cook, Michael Thomas actually targeted Alvin Kamara, which is all we can ask for. He actually had three targets in this game because, for whatever reason, he just doesn't like to look his way. But Michael Thomas had 11, caught nine of them for 105 yards. Traquan Smith, six, caught three of them for 42 yards and a tutty. Jared Cook, five, caught three of them for 28 yards and a touchdown. It's kind of cooking a little bit here, Taysom Hill. Obviously, used his legs, had 83 yards rushing with a long of 43, where he scampered up the right sideline to pick up, obviously, a first down. And he had 14 carries, was used in the red zone. Did not get into the end zone with his legs, though, but had two passing touchdowns, something he hadn't done in the last two weeks. And then the Atlanta Falcons, they were modest on offense, you could say, even with Julio Jones, who finished the game with six catches for 94 yards on 10 targets. Calvin Ridley, five for 108 on 10 targets. Russell Gage had the touchdown, eight for four receptions on with 51 yards, along with that touchdown. On the ground, they couldn't do anything against this Saints team, something that somewhat expected, I guess you could say. Todd Gurley was eight for 16, Brian Hill five for 18, and then Ito Smith, a little bit better, eight for 36. On the Saints-Falcons, just kind of back and forth here. A lot of punts in this game. Saints went into halftime, up 14-9. Young Hoku had three field goals. And again, they were able to score that touchdown to Russell Gage late, the Atlanta Falcons. But it was just a little bit too much. A little bit too much Saints, I guess you could say. Because in the fourth quarter, Matt Ryan had a nice long drive. Went all the way down the field. But he was forced into a fourth and eight and he missed Julio Jones deep. And after that, it was kind of unlikely that they could win the game. Granted, they got the ball back, but it just wasn't enough at all. So, Saints have a pretty nice lead in the NFC right now. Although the Packers have not lost in a little bit, I guess you could say. The beating the Philadelphia Eagles was a game that we'll probably go over here in just a little while. 
But let's move on to the Lions and Bears, another NFC North battle between these two teams. Lions win this game 34-30 after Chicago looked like they had a pretty good lead in this game and nothing was going to happen for the Detroit Lions. Chicago is led by Mitch Trubisky, Matt Nagy, a coach that a lot of people would say is on the hot seat. This guy's supposed to help out offense, just has not been able to get the most out of Nick Foles, has not developed Mitch Trubisky whatsoever, and I think a lot of people would admit that Mitchell Trubisky is not it. But when you lose six games in a row and you fall to five and seven, to being five and one, you're probably going to land on the hot seat. A lot of people knew they were the most fraudulent 5-1 and one team ever. Giants fans should know it. I mean, yeah, Giants got off to a slow start in that game, went down 17-0 at halftime, but the Giants drove back and put themselves in a position to win that football game. Just couldn't. Lost their star running back in that game, too. Devastating, if you ask me. But the Detroit Lions' Matt Stafford goes north of 400 yards in this game, had three touchdowns, had an interception, there was no DeAndre Swift. There was Adrian Peterson all game because on Johnson got hurt and didn't do anything much before that. Adrian Peterson, 16 of 57 for two touchdowns in this game. And it was Marvin Jones who had 12 targets, caught eight of them for 116 yards and a touchdown. Chicago, what are you doing allowing Marvin Jones to do this? Chicago, you'd think they were a good defense. Obviously, they're not. Giving up 34 points to the Detroit Lions. And I believe I picked the Detroit Lions to win this game on the Big Blue View thing that we do every week the Pickums, and I didn't feel great about it at halftime when I looked, and it was 23-13, to 13, and Chicago had all the momentum, but Chicago couldn't do anything in the second half. David Montgomery was running all over them in the first half, had 68 yards rushing in the first half, finished with 72, 17 carries for 72 and two touchdowns, Detroit just clamped down, and again, this is the first time Detroit's playing without their head coach, a lot of teams tend to get up when their head coach gets fired, especially if he was not liked, like Matt Patricia, apparently was not liked. And they got up in the second half, scored 21 points, and won this football game. Quintez Cephas had a 49-yard touchdown in this game. Beautiful throw by Matt Stafford on that one. TJ Hawkinson, nine targets, seven for 84. The Bears just couldn't do enough. Mitch Trubisky had one passing touchdown, 267 yards. Didn't really use his legs all that much. Didn't target Allen Robinson nearly enough. He had seven targets, finished six for 75, no touchdowns. Cole Komet had a touchdown in this game. Seems like Komet's being used a lot more. And Jimmy Graham, who had one target, is not really being used. So if you have Jimmy Graham in fantasy, I think it's time to cut bait. You can look at Komet. I know the fantasy landscape for these types of players, the tight end position, it's not great. So that's one option, I guess you could say. Then we have the Jags and the Vikings. Another NFC North team, who barely squeaked away from the 1-11 now, Jacksonville Jaguars. This game went into overtime. Mike Glennon does not look that bad. Although he turned the ball over twice with two interceptions, he also had 280 yards passing and a really nice touchdown pass to LaVisca Chenault. And I say that with sarcasm. So what happened on this play, DJ Chark was running a deep flag route, a deep corner, and Glennon threw it overthrew him, bounced off Harrison Smith, and was almost picked by another defender, and went right into the arms of LaVisca Chenault, who was alone in the end zone. Very, very lucky play. But honestly, still, there were other throws that Mike Lennon was making to move the sticks that was actually not that bad. And Jacksonville had a good game plan. Okay, Minnesota likes to run the football, so do we. Hand the ball off to James Robinson 18 times, have him get 78 yards, and then he ends up punching it in late in the game in the fourth quarter to 
tie this game up 24 to 24 and send it to overtime. And Minnesota actually had a safety in this game. A lot of like weird safeties and scoring during this week. DJ Chark couldn't do that much. He had seven targets, caught two of them 41 yards. Colin Johnson had six targets, caught four of them for 66 yards. Came up with a big catch late in the game. But Minnesota, in overtime, was able to just get the ball and just keep running it and picking up first downs. And they were well within Dan Bailey's field goal kicking range. But Dan Bailey missed a field goal at the end of regulation that could have won the Minnesota Vikings the game. And he botched it poorly. It was a really bad kick. So they didn't really trust that. But they ended up settling for that field goal when Dalvin Cook was down at literally like the one-half yard line. Kirk Cousins, though, he did look good in this game. 305 yards, three touchdowns, one interception. Dalvin Cook, 32 carries for 120 yards. Justin Jefferson, 12 targets, 9 for 121 and 1. Adam Thielen, 11 targets, 8 for 75 and 1. And C.J. Ham had the other touchdown. Minnesota, though, they're 6-6. Six and six. They almost blew it against Jacksonville. Gotta step your game up in these games, my friends. Then we have the Philadelphia Eagles losing to the Green Bay Packers 30-16, where Aaron Rodgers threw for three touchdowns, 295 yards passing, and was able to kind of do what he wanted with his Philadelphia secondary. Darius Slay left with an injury, got a check to see how bad it was. That was later in the game, but Devontae Adams had 12 targets, caught 10 of them for 121-2. and two. Alan Lazard, 3 for 50. Robert Tunyon, 4 for 39-1. and one. And then it was Aaron Jones, who was bottled up a lot in this game, and then broke off a 77-yard touchdown run. So he finished with 15 carries for 130 yards and one touchdown. Tilting if you're facing him in fantasy, I know. Aaron Rodgers, man, he's making a real push for the MVP. And I know that's saying a lot because you have Patrick Mahomes in this league. He's been throwing a lot of touchdowns recently. And it looks like Green Bay may be trying to get him there. Because he had these three touchdowns in this game. But the biggest storyline of this game is not that Philadelphia is 3-8-1 and if they're not a good football team. But it's that... Carson Wentz was benched in the second half of this game after scoring three points in the first three quarters. Jalen Hurts comes in towards the end of the third quarter, and they put up 13 points. Jalen Hurts, a leads touchdown drive, throws a touchdown pass to Greg Ward, also had a punt return touchdown from Jalen Rager that made this game interesting, but then it was the Aaron Jones 77-yard run that kind of just put it out of reach completely. And the game ended up a 30-16. to Aaron Rodgers getting it done against the Philadelphia Eagles as the Giants continue to make this gap a little bit wider and the Eagles just continue to just flounder. And who knows what's going to happen next week with Jalen Hurts or Carson Wentz. Very interesting stuff. And then there was the Patriots Chargers. Not interesting stuff at all. I've said this on the podcast before. Don't like kicking a guy while he's down at all. But Anthony Lennon ain't it. He's just not it. It's, he's in way over his head. It was on display like crazy last week when he ran the football with no timeouts after a huge pass play. Didn't spike it, didn't get the field goal team on, didn't try to throw it, ran it. Terrible management. But having Bill Belichick come into your building with this New England Patriots team and beat you 45 to nothing with a ton of special teams mistakes, that's coaching, man. Justin Herbert doesn't even have a chance. Threw two picks in this game. Had 209 yards passing. Keenan Allen had 11 targets. 5 for 48. Didn't really do all that much. Wasn't a lot to be done on offense because New England just possessed the ball. They couldn't stop the New England Patriots on offense. Which is something we haven't said that much this year. But Los Angeles had 26 minutes of time of possession. New England... Only had 291 yards total. 
Chargers at 258, not a huge disparity there. The Chargers defense just couldn't get off the field, and New England made them pay. And the special teams was terrible. The end of the half, the Chargers got themselves in the field goal range. Went to kick the field goal. It was blocked. Returned for a touchdown. They gave up a punt return as well to Gunnar Olszewski. They don't really have that much going on. Just hope Justin Herbert isn't ruined by poor coaching. I don't think it is. I don't think it's that bad. But as a head coach, Anthony Lynn just, he's struggling. And the Chargers fall to 3-9. and nine. And then we have the Rams and the Cardinals. Last game we're going to go over on this podcast. The Rams established themselves after losing to the San Francisco 49ers last week. Or should I call them the Arizona 49ers because they're playing in Arizona on Monday. But the 49ers beat them last week. The Rams, in this NFC West battle, go to 8-4. and four, Win this game 38-28 to 28 against the Cardinals. Where Kyler Murray didn't look all that great. He had three touchdown passes. Started off the game really hot with a long touchdown pass to Dan Arnold for 59 yards. Who was wide open on the play. But he had a poor interception in this game. Had a fumble as well. Was getting hit a little bit at two sacks. Lost 33 yards on those two sacks. Trying to make a little bit too much. Fumbled on that one of those sacks as well. Kenyon Drake out of the touchdown on the ground. The Rams were just able to, kind of like the Giants, establish the line of scrimmage and run the football. Cam Akers had 21 carries for 72 yards and a touchdown. Daryl Henderson had three carries for 49 yards with a 38-yard touchdown mixed in. Jared Goff had a rushing touchdown as well. The Rams also threw the football efficiently. Robert Woods, 11 targets, caught 10 of them for 85 yards. Cooper Cup, 9 targets, caught 8 of them for 73 yards. Gerald Everett, 7 targets, caught 6 of them for 44 yards. That's all you need right there. They were efficient. They didn't make dumb mistakes like they've been doing, turning the football over. And they were able to establish a line of scrimmage and beat the Arizona Cardinals in that fashion. Kyler Murray, the pick that he did throw, was a pick six. Not the greatest, obviously. You don't want that to happen. But, he threw an interception for a touchdown. Gets returned. It was late in the game. It was a 10-point game at that point. Still was in range. And the next drive, Kyler Murray, to his credit, led a 47-yard eight-play drive where he capped it off with another touchdown pass to Dan Arnold. Who ended up having two on this game. Who would have thought starting Dan Arnold? Who, his only two catches, or two tutties. The Rams are now 8-4, and four, and the Giants made it a lot better for them this Sunday, even though they were happy because they beat the Cardinals. But Seattle losing, that's huge for the Los Angeles Rams, especially after blowing it to the San Francisco 49ers last week. So I'm sure they should send some treats to the New York Giants. Anyways, this is Filato on Football. I am the host, Nicholas Filato. I hope you enjoyed this podcast. Please rate, subscribe, and review this podcast. And have a lovely day. Take care of yourselves. Check out Big Blue View. Be well. See everyone. Support for this podcast came from SAS. Data is everything. And now everything is data, which means more to process, more to analyze. And now more than ever, speed to answers matters. So how do you produce those answers as fast as the world produces data? With SAS VIA the quickest way from a billion points of data to a point of view. It's a more productive data and AI platform that helps you get more done. Learn more today at sas.com slash V-I-Y-A. Support for this show comes from Vanta. Dealing with loads of spreadsheets, juggling different tools, and having to do manual security checks, it can be a headache to keep up with today's compliance and security programs. 
Vanta is the trust management platform that wants to simplify things and bring all your trust building efforts under one roof, making growth smoother for your whole organization. Vanta lets you automate up to 90% of compliance for SOC 2, ISO 27001, HIPAA, and more. Strengthen security posture and reduce third-party risk. Get $1,000 off Vanta when you go to vanta.com slash vox. That's V-A-N-T-A dot com slash vox for $1,000 off Vanta.